The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, we're once again looking ahead into 2023, asking industry experts to look into their crystal balls. Today, we're talking with David Luna, president of Mortgage Educators and Compliance. Dave, thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. It's always great to to, uh, catch up with you. Um, So before we take a look at what to expect uh, in 2023, where would you say we are now in the market as we end 2022? Well, um, you and I visited when uh, uh, we were in Las Vegas a couple months ago. And yep. in the 7% environment, I was kind of telling you that by December 2022, that we would see a little bit better uh, interest rates. I, I said, you know, it's going to still be bad through the first part of fall. But as we got into December, you know, we were going to see a better interest rate. I'm, I'm happy to say that we called that one correctly. So as we look at 2023, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think the first quarter, maybe even through most of the second quarter of 2023 is going to be all that fantastic. But I would say by the end of second quarter, uh, definitely third quarter of next year, uh, rates will be in the fives. Uh, we are going to be seeing some really, really good um, uh, uh, pieces of information going on. For example, we're going to see a greater amount of uh, inventory. We're going to see a more competitive rate environment. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve would have stopped raising rates. I think as uh, you know, we wrap up 2022 here in about two weeks, the Federal Reserve again is talking about raising rates, but I, I really don't see a three-quarter rate increase. Again, I could be wrong. Uh, I'm seeing some, as well as, well as others, are seeing some uh, indicators that maybe inflation is starting to come down. I wouldn't necessarily say we've hit our 2% target rate by a long stretch. So we will continue to see rate increases. We will probably see a half percent here in a two weeks. And then again, uh, we're probably going to see another half again, first quarter of next year. So um, again, trying to get inflation under control, trying to get mortgage interest rates under control, trying to have this soft landing that they've been talking about. Uh, Yesterday, Secretary Yellen is saying that it looks like we might be able to negotiate a soft landing. So uh, indicators for the rest of this year, I think are are pretty positive for next year, I think are very, very positive. Uh, I've been telling our people that uh, uh, we should see rates again in the fives. So uh, outlook for next year looks pretty good. And and. When, when we talk about pretty good, you know, obviously, you know, we've been reporting on originations down compared to last year. 
purchases, all, all of those metrics that you want to see are down from last year, but that, that was a record year. When we, when we talk about a good market, you're, you're optimistic about 2023, especially getting to the middle of the year. Are you looking at 2019 as a, like what, what would be a good comparison to be like, that's a normal market and we're going to have a good year compared to a normal market. Cause we haven't had 2019. Yeah. I agree with you, Mike. 2019 is a good example of a normal market because here March, 2020, you know, definitely April, 2020, when we were in COVID, that was, <laughs> that was not even close to being normal. So again, having inventory that sits on the market for at least 30 to 45 days. Uh, again, having options for these first time home buyers to be able to, uh, again, not waive contingencies, not waive appraisals, not, not anything like that. I mean, more of a normal market, which we are slowly getting to. Uh, I, I don't see builders building right now. I see what builders are doing is they're completing inventory that they started. And so they're finishing those up and you're starting to see people now have options, meaning, okay, I don't have to buy this one. Oh, look at this one. I want new. Look, I have new. I want existing or square fit feet or number of bedrooms, baths, whatever, whatever is important to the buyer. Uh, I'm seeing that happening. Uh, I agree with you. It's not a refi market right now. However, it could be by next summer. And so when we start seeing, again, inventory that sits there for a while, uh, I'll give you an example. We're looking to purchase a, a piece of property right now. The seller has it listed for $650,000. Um, I just visited with my realtor this morning. The uh, realtor for the seller said that the seller is willing to look at something below five. If I think news is 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 uh, sometimes getting it wrong, meaning that you know six months ago we saw this inventory rising, and when we say oh the market you know uh, prices are down, we're going to have this housing bubble. I don't think that's correct. What happens is you saw sellers have their neighbors sell the property for uh, X number over asking, and then they had 20, 30 offers on it. And so now you have this new seller kind of in their mind thinking, well, that's what it was six months ago. That's not what it is today. What it is today is seller expectations need to come down. And so in this increase, you're now seeing sellers kind of adjust their price back down Okay, and it's not that the market uh, that that property values are dropping. It's just that you know seller expectations are coming a little bit more in line where the market is. You still have appreciation going on, and you will still see appreciation in 2023. It's not going to be as crazy double digits as we've seen in the past, but you're still going to see a good healthy appreciation somewhere between. Uh, depending on where you are in America, somewhere between five and 6%, which is a good, healthy appreciation. And, and one thing I wanted to ask is, since you expect rates will slip back down in, into the fives, um, which would certainly seem to, to get buyers back in the market if they've been waiting for that. And, and builders building again. And builders building again. You, you, you don't think that that will drive demand to a point that prices take off again. You think inventory can meet demand where it will be next year. Looking at, at, at uh, Urban Institute's numbers and looking at uh, the National Association of Realtors and their comments and, and individuals like Dr. Lawrence Yoon of, uh, of NAR and, and others, um, we still have pent-up demand. We have millions and millions of 
of buyers that have just been sitting on the sidelines waiting to come in. And that's going to be somewhere around 3.2 million for the next few um, years. And so at 3.2 million, we need to have inventory somewhere around 1.7 million per year. Well, housing starts really have only been about 800,000. So we have not built enough and there is not enough existing inventory to meet the people that right now are sitting on the sidelines. So what, what's happening is they have to live somewhere. So if we look around the country, you're seeing rents. Rents have just gone up. But now as things are starting to settle down, now as things are starting to dial back into normal, um, you're starting to see rents not be as aggressive. You're starting to see um, you know, uh, these borrower buyers have more choices. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to see a little bit more normalization occurring in 23 um, and probably on into 24. So this doom and gloom that I'm hearing out in the industry, I apologize. I, I just I, I, I understand that there are some corrections being made, but it's it what I'm seeing is just not as negative as as as, um, as all of these headline grabbing uh, uh, things are dictating. Uh, it is sad for many people. Uh, look at the tech industry. Look at what's happening. Um, you know, with even in our industry, mortgage. Yes, that there, there are there are some people that are hurting, and unfortunately, uh, we're going to see more and more layoffs, and we're going to see uh, higher unemployment before this is all over. And none of that's positive news. None of that is good news. But it needs to be a little bit more. Uh, stable uh, as we go forward. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And, and one of the things I wanted to ask you is you're, you're certainly giving a rosier picture than, than some of the other experts we've been hearing uh, from um, about next year. But as you just touched on, I mean, we continue to see layoffs. We continue to see companies shutting down divisions, going out of business, filing for bankruptcy. And we did have a, a massive expansion uh, as, during the refi boom. So there's there's more employees than you would have in a normal housing market. So people might right. be worried about, about their jobs. How do you how do you make it through to those to those better times, especially if you're newer, maybe you've come in, in the last couple of years during the refi boom? How do you then find your way to get to the middle slash summer of next year and and the better times that you think are coming? That's a really, really good question. And 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 um the viewers may not necessarily like the answer, but they will understand the answer. Uh in these last few years during refi mania when it was all low hanging fruit. It's like, hi, what's your rate? And oh my goodness, I can beat that. That's not really this industry. This industry has um, not only you know refis, but it also has purchases. And it's been very, very one-sided toward refi for the last few years. So what's happening now is you have the people that have come into the industry think, Oh, my, my, my phone automatically rings. People automatically text me. My website blows up because everybody wants to refi. Yeah, that's that's not this business. That's not reality. Uh, when I started, Jimmy Carter was president and interest rates were at 
And so I cut my teeth doing, you know, 18, 16 percent, you know, loans. And so to see it um, even in the sixes, uh, that's not a bad rate, historically speaking. So what's going to happen is maybe we're not necessarily selling rate. Maybe we're selling solutions. We're selling payments. We're selling debt consolidation, monthly payments. This is where you know you can now start allocating some funds towards your retirement, your kids' college education. You know, maybe we we look at it a little differently than we have in the past. So industry's got to get a little sharper. Uh, they have to really listen to the the uh, customer, and we have to fill needs for the customer. If you don't do that. Um, you may be on that short list of, of uh, moving into a different profession. But if you are totally focused on the customer, you are a problem solver and you look at different options that are available. I'm doing classes right now. You know, it's continuing education season. And when we talk about, for example, like Home Possible, I, I ask who's done Home Possible? Hands go up. They've done Home Possible. And then when I said who's done Home One? Nobody raises their hand. And I go, well, home one is another tool in the toolbox that you could use to help borrowers. And so we talk a little bit more about programs and guidelines and and, and what can we do that's not just refi, refi, refi. And so that's how they're going to make it. They have to invest in themselves and they really have to listen to their customers. You, you know, the debt consolidation thing, I think, is interesting because obviously we we hear a lot of people talk about, well, you need to know your products and what product is best, uh, which is true. But also, I think the the broader financial pictures that come with owning a home and and with with the Fed raising rates, you know, you might have borrowers who are like, yeah, debt consolidation might not be bad right now if I've got credit card debt or other things that might be susceptible to what the Fed's doing. So with, with things slow, you might be thinking, I need to find loans fast. But if you're expecting things to be good in the middle of next year, obviously you need loans to come in now, but is now also maybe the time to coach people, hey, here's how we're going to consolidate your debt. Here's how we're going to do all these things so that when the rates come down, that's the time to strike. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, if, if we have just a few minutes, um, I'm sharing a program um, that's a very, very old program. It's been around for a while but I'm not seeing anybody take advantage of it. And then when I share it with audiences, they're going, oh my goodness, Dave, if I do what you asked me to do, I can put another 10, 20 loans in my pipeline right now, today, that's not dependent on inventory, not dependent on interest rates, not dependent on you know, a minimum 620 credit score. Um, and, and when we, sh- and if you, if you don't mind, I, yeah, I can ahead, share it with people on how to, how to build your pipeline, uh, you know, today, right now, uh, you have a little used program called FHA. Um, and, and so when I explain this, I hope people can, you know, rewind this and listen to it again, because I explain it, then I get emails of, oh my goodness, it doesn't work that <laughs> way. And it, don't tell me it doesn't work that way. It works that way. And so, um, you have individuals, uh, good people, that are now in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. So Chapter 7 debt consolidation, you're in, you're out. Okay. And then everybody's used to time frames after bankruptcy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody currently in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. One, these individuals feel, oh my goodness, I'm toxic. 
No, nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody can help me. And so it makes them very, very prime for what you can, you know, what, what you can share with them. For example, uh, when someone took out bankruptcy, I like soliciting people that have been in bankruptcy for at least two years. If we look back, what has been the equity situation over the last few years? It's only gone in one direction. It's right. gone up. So they're sitting on a ton of equity. Number two, they weren't cruising at six, seven, eight hundred you know, credit score. And then the next day decided to take out bankruptcy. Things happened. They started getting late. Maybe they started into collection or judgments. And, and now, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And then they find themselves in bankruptcy. So this process has been going on for, say, four, maybe five years. Well, wait a minute. What were interest rates four or five years ago? Oh, yeah, they're where they're at today right now. So in other words, when you're talking to them, uh, pulling them out of bankruptcy, the interest rate that you're talking about is pretty much what they're paying right now. It's a little bit more technical than that. And so if I have another 30 seconds, let me just share it with you. You're going to go to the bankruptcy court and you're going to get information on these on these people that have taken out bankruptcies, homeowners over the last two years. They have to make their payments on time for the last 12 months. That's FHA guidelines. Go into the 4,000.1 in the FHA guidelines. It tells you they have to be current on their mortgage, on their payments in bankruptcy for the last 12 months. Number two. You have, to have, you have to get permission from the trustee of the court. These people sought protection from the bankruptcy court. So if we can teach or educate borrowers and trustees of bankruptcy courts, this is going to work anywhere across America, maybe except for Texas, because FHA cash out may not necessarily be in Texas. I'm not an expert of all laws in all states. Anyway, so you contact them and they're like, oh, my goodness, someone's reaching out to me. I can help you, right? Uh, I think I can help you. I don't know if I can help you. I'd like to try to help you. I can get you out of bankruptcy. And so um, uh, take this letter over to your trustee. We have to get trustees permission. We may have to get your attorney's permission. And so you know there, there is a process. But once you start putting loans into your pipeline, these people are absolutely grateful. Now, let's say that you're doing the loan at six and a half, six and three quarters, whatever, you know, the interest rates are at. I just suggested by next summer, interest rates are going to be lower. So now that the EPO has passed, now that you can refi them to a lower interest rate, you now have two loans. You, you, the loan officer is eating now, okay, because they closed the loan today. But the loan officer, again, is eating, you know, next summer when they refine these these really good people that they've just helped. And these people are going to be loyal when nobody else could help me. You reached out to me and you helped me. Now, again, there's a little bit more to it than that. But for time, I'm just trying to consolidate that thought. Whenever the pipeline got skinny for me, I would just start to, you know, soliciting, you know, the uh, bankruptcy folks, you need to have multiple channels of income coming into you. And um, that has been one of my lifesavers. It doesn't matter on inventory, they're already in a house. It doesn't matter interest rates, because that's probably what they were paying, you know, a few years ago. Um, they have the equity, uh, they have to be current, you know, for the last 12 months. If they're, if they're not, it's FHA can't even help them. If they're cruising at a less than a 500 credit score, yeah, FHA is not a solution either. So this isn't for everybody, but for many people, it could be a solution. And that right there, Mike, you're going to have people pay attention to that one. That right there, we've just put another 10, 20 loans per month 
into loan officers pipeline today. And I was going to say, it does sound like it's a bit of, of work, but you're obviously what you just told me that, that there's, it's producing a payoff. I mean, it seems like you, there's these opportunities all over the country. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about how many hundreds of thousands of people have taken out bankruptcy over the last few years, it's sad. And I understand it in their circumstances. And uh, I'm definitely not throwing rocks, but these are good people that need to be helped. And, and loan officers in this, in, in this industry that educate themselves can be a lifesaver. Absolutely. You got to look for loans wherever you can find them in a, in a market yes, like this. Yes, sir. Dave, thanks so much for joining me. Yes, sir. Have a good day. You too. Uh, so that'll do. Is there anything else you want to add? Any other tips or advice you want to share while I got you? You gave a ton, so I don't expect any more, but. Did, did you like that? That was, that was great. <laughs> I, I was trying not to go super technical, meaning, you know, um, you know, last uh, yesterday, Powell emphasized that the U S is far from price stability. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at more evidence, but as we look at core uh, PCE, that came out, it came out less than what, you know, everybody was expecting, which is a good sign. Uh, we have later today, S&P Global Manufacturing, ISM Manufacturing, PMI. We have four Fed speakers that are going to speak before we go into this blackout period. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Powell says uh, it makes sense to moderate the price of our rate increases, uh, that's what I took to mean He's still going to do an increase, but it's not going to be three quarters of a point. Right. Um, We're going to start lowering yeah, these and scaling them down. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just, you have many, many lenders that have already built in uh, 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 a 5% Fed funds rate. Normally, the spread is only between 175 to 200 basis points between where, um, where the 10 year is and where interest rates are. Right now, you have a 300 basis point uh, spread because lenders aren't exactly sure when the Fed was going to stop. As soon as everybody starts figuring out the Fed is not not going to lower, uh, sorry, not going to increase rates anymore, there's that 100 basis points drop. So it isn't far fetched for me to say if we're approximately six and a half to go to five and a half. Um, that's not a stretch to see it go lower than five. Uh, that's absolute, well, lower than five and a half. That's absolutely realistic. Could we be high fours, uh, low fives by next summer? I can see that. I can absolutely see, I can make a case for something like that. Yeah, that would be, that'd be welcome news for, for buyers right now, for sure. So, which then is welcome news for originators. So <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Dave, thanks so much and, and uh, have a good holiday. Thank you, YouTube. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's the rest of your headlines for today, December 5th. Buyers are struggling with affordability even with rates slipping back down. According to Black Knight, the typical home loan for a newly purchased home gobbled up just over 37% of the median household income in October. While down slightly, it's still near a 40-year high. 
One reason for this, homeowners aren't putting their homes up for sale, causing prices to remain a problem for buyers. Black Knight says this is causing a gridlock that's not normal when rates are sliding. That gridlock has caused Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to acquire fewer loans this year. Acquisitions by the two government-sponsored enterprises were down 62% in the third quarter when compared with the same period last year. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.